Have you ever been so excited for a trip that you began to imagine yourself already there? The wait for such occasions can be so tedious that it seems even time slows down. We might start to think about the details of our journey, what we're going to wear, how much we're going to pack, what's the first thing we'll do when we get there, will we encounter any difficulties on the way there. In a sense, our daydreaming has the effect of already placing us in our future destination. The experience of desire, and in particular, a desire for something beyond our reach, teaches us a fundamental lesson about human nature. We are born into this world with an innate dis-ease, to use a term from spiritual author Father Ronald Roheiser. God, as the beginning and end of our existence, designed us for himself, making it impossible that our soul should experience fulfillment in created things. This restlessness, Rollheiser comments, is an unquenchable fire, a gnawing nostalgia, a wildness that cannot be tamed, a congenital, all-embracing ache that lies at the center of human experience and is the ultimate force that drives everything else." End quote. He then goes on to declare that what we do with these desires is spirituality. A bold statement, if ever there was one. If Rollheiser is correct, then what do we make of our life as Christians? That is, are we in fact cognizant of God as the only one who can satisfy our every need? And if so, do we, the, do we, allow, the, do we allow this experience on a particular level to influence us on a day-to-day basis. Contemplating the mystery of the ascension with with this idea of desire as the backdrop to our meditation, we do indeed find a recipe for a genuine spirituality, a way of practicing our faith that is both life-giving and rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. The key is to remember that insofar as we love Christ, assuming we're at least aspiring for this, We are already present to him, and he is made near to us by our desire to be near him. This is the simple formula for for our way forward. The challenge, though, is learning in the first place to actually desire heaven, or to be more precise, to desire God alone. Now, St. Paul tells us in his letter to the Colossians, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Okay, we might say, that's a pretty tall order. To be fair, though, our Lord himself assures us, with God, all things are possible. In fact, it's so simple, it almost defies reason. We have only to believe this and act in faith that God will do for us what we cannot possibly do on our own, and grace does the rest. Of course, this does not mean that we adopt an attitude of total passivity, which excludes good works and the practice of the virtues. Rather, it is owing to God's favor that he begets in us any measure of desire or achievement. To place our affections solely in what is spiritual surely requires grace. Yet our cooperation through faith makes the burden light and gives us a foretaste of the sweetness of Christ's yoke. 
The Church, in her attempts to encourage us on this mission, places before our minds the Lord's ascension as the path of least least resistance. Where Christ has gone before us, we have only to follow, to hold on to the hem of his garment, as it were, as he goes to meet his Father. But in order to do this, it requires letting go of the control we think we have of our lives, to have faith that God will lead us to greener pastures, where our every need will be satisfied. This means that we actually have a lot to look forward to if our life is directed to its appropriate end. Appropriate because, as is often the case, our will is still bent on doing its own thing. The often difficult task of living purely out of faith and trust in God is aptly compared to an all-out battle. It needn't be so, however. A significant move towards victory will depend on our learning to discern the nature of our struggle. Desires are connatural to our makeup as human beings. Their origin is in God. Yet we know from experience and the witness of the saints that the flaming darts of the enemy are the fires of temptation which misdirect our passions so that we desire and act on what is sinful. But we do have a choice. We can say no, to train ourselves to acquire the habit of taking delight in what is good, admirable, decent, and virtuous. Rather than seeing our self-denial as something purely negative, we can make it a regular practice to meditate on the blessed life that awaits us in our purified state. This is a technique recommended by many spiritual authors, much akin to modern methods of self-improvement, which follow an approach of thought replaces thought. Reflecting on the positive content of our faith will not only swap out the old self-defeating patterns of thinking, but help stir up a holy desire for heaven. So, going back now to St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, we learn that our work of purification dovetails our baptismal promises. In a nutshell, These encompass the entire work of the Christian towards spiritual perfection. This is what Paul means by our being raised with Christ. The love for God and the yearning to be with him enables us now to rise, as it were, with Christ our head. Like when we imagine ourselves going on a trip, we can fan the flame of our desire for heaven and make up for the delay. This practice of unceasing prayer from the heart from our actual deepest need, will define our ongoing and transforming spirituality, thus fulfilling the work of the Spirit whom we received in baptism. Our Lord may have been taken from our physical sight, just as you saw the flame extinguished from the Paschal candle. Yet, as he said to his disciples just prior to his ascension, Behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Always, is not conditional. Christ is indeed very near within our minds and our hearts. If only we desire to seek him there.